come on with the come on. <laughs> hey guys, let's welcome in. We got the entire Victory family with us today. Come on, let's welcome in Midtown, Hamilton Mill, North Cobb. We got our house churches. We got everybody locally as well as all around the world. We are together as one big family this weekend because it's a huge weekend. It is Victory's 34th anniversary. So happy anniversary, Victory. Um, today really is a, a big day in the life of the church. And there, uh, you know, it's going to just kind of build over the next few minutes that we get with each other. And so really what we're going to do today is, if it's okay with you, we're just going to brag on Jesus. Can we just brag on Jesus for a few minutes? Because our God has done some absolutely supernatural things in the life of this family over the last three plus decades. And they're, they're, they're of just, oh my gosh, can, there, there's power in remembering. Come on, how many of you know it's good to remember the faithfulness of God? And uh, particularly in, in a handful of uh, key moments in the Old Testament, God instructs his people to build what's kind of called an altar of remembrance. And really the big idea was wherever, wherever God came through, Right, Like wherever the place was where God made a way where there was no way, come on somebody, where God healed and delivered and set free, where the supernatural broke into the natural and changed everything. He said, in that place, in that moment, set up some stones, build an altar, set up some stones right there. So that in the future, every time you walk back by that place, you're gonna see those stones and you're gonna stop and you're gonna remember what God did. And you're going to stop and you're going to worship. And as you get older and as you have children, you're going to be walking through that field together. And your kids are going to be like, why are those stones there? And you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot. Son, daughter, listen, this is what God did. And then what you'll do is together, you'll pause and you'll remember. And as a family, you'll worship God for his faithfulness. And in this really key moment here, right, as, as the, um, God's people are about to enter into the promised land, God instructs Joshua to do just this such thing. And in Joshua 4.4, here's what Joshua does. It says, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the, of the Israelites, 12, to serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Guys, there is power in remembering. Come on, am I in the right place this morning? Come on, guys. How many, how many of you can say that God has come through? How many of you can say that God has made a way where there was no way? How many of you can say that God has performed miracles on your behalf? How many of you can say that God has saved me and delivered me and healed me? Come on, come on. He's done a wonder in my family. He's done a wonder in my finances. Come on, somebody. He's rescued me out of the miry pit and he's set my feet upon the rock. He's rebuked the devourer on my behalf and he's opened up the windows of heaven and poured out a blessing on me so much that I couldn't even contain it all. Come on, that's our God. And we, we need to have this spiritual practice of remembering. 
so that we can pause at that memory and we can worship God for his faithfulness. Come on, parents, your kids should be tired of you telling them the God stories. God, dad, I get it. Mom, I get it. God's great. Yes, he is. And we're going to pause right there and we're going to worship him together. We're going to remember, we're going to tell the stories. We're going to celebrate big because especially the next generation needs to hear the stories of God's supernatural, miraculous, miracle, loving works for his people. Because if he did it for us, he's going to do it for them. If he does it for them, he's going to do it for their kids. And on to the next generation, generation after and generation after. And here's just what I want to do just for a few minutes today. I want to remember and I want to tell the stories of what God has done in this house over 34 years. And I just want us to celebrate big. Because God has been so good to us. So I don't know where your story got merged in over the past 34 years. Some of you, you're like, bro, this is like my first day. (laughs) So welcome in to the story of God that he's crafting. God's a really good author and he's writing a really good story. So welcome in. Others of us, he came along the way. So Summer and I, in 1998, we uh, we walked into um, Victory World Outreach. Changed a few names over the years. And we never looked back. Um, she was Summer Waldrich at that time. We were just even dating. Um, and uh, here's what I love. We actually walked into what we now call our V2 sanctuary, which is down the hill here at Norcross. And um, I love it that the entire church used to actually fit in the room that we now train our preachers in. That's pretty awesome. And I remember walking in in 1998, and there's this like white pastor and there's a Jamaican worship leader, and there's this Latino dude like losing his minds on the percussion. And I'm like, what is happening? And it's the most sincere, enthusiastic, beautiful worship that I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I look around the room and there's just this sea, this ocean of different types of people, like from different sides of the track and different sides of the ocean. Come on, somebody. Come on, look around the room. Come on, campuses. Look around the room, Midtown. Look around the room, Hamilton Mill, Norcott. Not everybody looks like you. That's not just by accident. God's doing something amazing right here. And I walked into that, and, and, and I saw the beauty of that. And then I heard the pastor, Pastor Dennis, saying things like, I didn't know a pastor could say that. Um, and, and it felt like half the time, Summer and I uh, were late, <laughs> so we had to sit in the overflow room, which was, we didn't have bougie overflows back then. It was like the lobby, and you're like looking in the door for me. Um, but I don't know about you guys, I would much rather be a part of a church that has overflow issues than being a part of a church that has underflow issues. You walk in, there's like five people there, and they're like, hello, first-time visitor, tell us your story. Um, Over time, we became members here, just like the 2,612 people who became part of this family last year, just as the 604 people who just joined the church last month. uh, uh, We found a home here. Come on, guys, you you guys know, you got to go through a lot of foolishness to find a good church. It's an understated exhaustion to try and find a good church home, and we found that here over the years. Um, I got baptized here. Come on, somebody. Just like, just like the 1,435 people who were water baptized last year. That's my favorite number from last year of what God did in our midst. Um, 
We've experienced so many like real God moments here. Like I can't even tell you how many times I've cried at this altar. How many times like God has spoken to me at this altar. How many times I, I came in and I said, God, I need you to be Jehovah Rohi. I need you to be the Lord, my shepherd, because I don't know if I should go down path A or path B. And then he, as a supernatural God, led me down path C. Come on, because we're about to make dumb mistakes and we, then we present it before the Lord. I can't tell me how many times I've, I've encountered the Father's love here, how he's rescued me from bouts of depression, given me joy. Come on, how, what the work that he's done in my family throughout the years, how God has worked on our behalf. We, we met our best friends here. We became disciples here. We became leaders here. We went through ministry school here. And, and I remember one of the projects that we all had to do for ministry school. It was actually in Pastor Dennis and Colleen's class, like way back in the day. And um, one, of the, one of the projects was to like write down the vision for the church that you're going to plant. Because the, the implication was everybody going through the ministry school was going to plant a church. And so we're talking to our friends, and they're like writing down their stuff. And we're like, oh, eh, that's a vision? Like, mm, okay, you do you, boo-boo. Like, whatever it is, like, you go do your thing. And we're, Summer and I are talking, we're like, well, if we were going to plant a church, what would we do? And we're like, well, I don't think we're going to plant a church, but if we were going to plant a church, what would we do? And we're like, building families? <laughs> like, literally, in, in hindsight, it was a great way to get an A, I'm just telling you. But it was real. It was, it was sincere. It was literally like, we have no other vision. Like, what? Is there, is there possibly a better way to build a church, a better foundation to build a church than the last, literal last words of Jesus in the flesh on earth than on Acts 1.8? And this is really what victory was founded on. I mean, Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power. Red letters, Jesus saying, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I don't know about you, but I, I was impressed that victory actually had a vision. Because you go to some places, you're like, so why do you do this? Uh, I don't know, Jesus stuff. Like, I, don't know. Like, I remember, like, these guys know what they're doing. They know where they're going. They know what they're trying to form. And I, I heard Pastor Dennis say along the way, he said, you know, one of the problems with a lot of churches is they have a small vision. And so when you have a small vision, only a small amount of people can fit into a small vision. But when you have a big vision, a lot of people can fit into a big vision. And I found a big vision here that what we were about was making disciples in the families and the communities and the cultures and in the nations. And, and enough that we put it up on the walls, right? So we, I, I found a family here that was building families. And so I encountered this early on and it was a, it was a kind of a little bit of a shock to me is that um, I discovered that victory does not do childcare. They do children's ministry. Big difference, big difference. We ain't babysitting your kids. No, we're actually making disciples of your kids, even right now. And I found youth ministry and young adult ministry and parenting workshops and helping people get married right. And then I found ministries here that were helping people who got married wrong to actually stay married right. 
And, and, and there was just this form of building the family over time. I saw it and then transforming community. I had never seen a church that was actually embracing the community that they found themselves in, that actually loved the community around them, that was sending like dozens and dozens of people out every single day out and to just embrace and show the love of Jesus out into, into the community around them. I had never seen a church like that. And then the cultures, I actually saw black and white and Latino and Asian, get this, get along during election cycles. Come on. And when, and when there was racial stuff blowing up out there, this became the haven. Because what we encountered wasn't a place demanding to be understood, but it was a people seeking to understand and to, and to weep with those who weep and to, and to rejoice with those who rejoice and to love each other. And I saw that there were thousands of things that should divide us, but there was actually one thing that united us and his name is Jesus. And he, he abolishes that dividing wall of hostility between us and he puts us all together. And, and, then, and then I saw the impacting nations and I saw dozens and dozens and dozens of mission trips going out every single year. And so I was like, all right, I, I'm tired of hearing what everybody else is doing. So I got to get in on the action. And so I, I hopped on some of these trips and I went to Ethiopia and I went to um, Israel and, and Nicaragua and Haiti and, and, and everywhere in between. And, and, I, and, and then I encountered this thing of like the Christmas gift of the world and our heart of the house and, and the commitment to give 20% in the missions. And I heard these big goggles of like, we're gonna give all this money over time. And I'm like, goodness gracious. And, and if I'm gonna be honest, I partly didn't believe it. Come on, somebody. I, listen, I used to be sitting where you're saying, you know, you're like, you're the pastor, you have to say these things. No, I was literally sitting in the seat and I'm, I hear like, we're giving 20%, we're gonna send all this money over to Ethiopia. And I'm like, yeah, until I got there. And I'm like, they actually did it. I'm like standing in the medical centers. I'm at, I'm at the wells. Like I'm, I'm playing with the kids in the orphanage that Victory built. And I'm seeing the impact of this nation, uh, of this church year after year after year and decade after decade after decade. And over the years, that vision by God's grace has become my vision. And it's not just something on the walls. It's actually become what, what I pray about, what we fast about, what we labor towards, what we give towards. It's become part of me. And today what I'm praying is, is that by God's grace, over time, that same vision will become your vision too. Amen. This is what God has called us to do as a church, what we call the four pillars of victory. The first thing, building family. What we wanna do is help everyone who's a part of Victory grow in their family. If you're single, if you're a single parent, if you've gone through a divorce, if you have a fantastic family, we wanna help you because God has called us to build the family. The second place as we go out, what we would call it here is transforming communities. Our mindset is that we assemble on Sundays to worship Jesus together, to grow together, to be discipled together, so that we can be equipped to then go live it out and impact the world around us the other six days of the week. That the point of our faith isn't just to gather, it's also to scatter and change the world around us. Which leads us to the third thing. There's a call of God on this church which is racial reconciliation. It's no longer about Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. There's something greater than all these differences, and that's the blood of Jesus. We are now one family in Jesus, and we are so much better together than we are separate because God has called us to reconcile cultures.
which then leads us to the fourth pillar of the vision of victory. What we would call it here is impact nations. From day one here in the life of the church, we committed to sow 20% of the resources or the finances that come into victory out into the world around us. When we started this church 33 years ago, the Lord spoke to me and set a goal. And I set a goal for the, for the tenure that we're here, that we're here of $100 million. And what God is trying to say to us is, how much do you wanna use your money to maximize its purpose for eternity? We've supported hundreds of missionaries. We built orphanages. We've transformed brothels into churches, which is amazing. Uh, we've rescued children. We rescued adults caught in sex trafficking. We've dug so many wells around the world. We fed so many children. Rehabilitation for former prison inmates, the construction of educational centers, building of churches in places where there was no sanctuary before, and so much more. So the question is, why do we do all this? because we believe that God has called us to impact nations. So hey guys, here's what we wanna do on our anniversary weekend. Um, as, as we build these altars of remembrance, we wanna pause and we wanna remember and we wanna hear a few of the stories and who better to hear the stories from than the ones that they, many of them originated with. So let's do this victory across all of our campuses. Let's rise up to our feet. Let's give honor where honor is due. And let's welcome up here to the platform our founding pastors, Pastor Dennis and Colleen. There's some of you in this room who aren't even 34 years old. <laughs> you know, uh, as Johnson was talking earlier, he was talking about just remembering and just remembering the different things. And so I want to take a moment. I want us to think way back. Let's remember back 34 years ago, uh, moving to Atlanta. God gave you a vision to plant a church your daughter, Lauren, was a toddler at the time. You had the money in your pockets. You guys took a big risk. And so what would you like? I would love for you to just kind of tell the congregation, like, about taking risks. Like, what does that look like? How do we do that? And the importance of taking risks when God speaks to you. Well, before I do that, my daughter is actually here this morning somewhere. Where are you, Lauren? There you are. Could you stand up? I want you to see my daughter. This is my daughter, our one and only daughter, who has been with us the entire journey. She came with us when she was two years old. And whether she wanted to whether or not. Whether she wanted to or not. And so she, she knows all the stories we're about to tell are actually true. <laughs> so um, I was thinking about this last night, because we already talked about this a little bit last night, and I, and I went home last night, and I woke up this morning, and the Lord reminded me of something that I didn't say last night. And uh, it kind of is at the heart of this word risk. And how do you risk everything to start from nothing? And it took me back to the very beginning of my Christianity when I was 22 and I was contemplating surrendering my life to Jesus. And the big question 
that the Lord was asking me was, are you willing to give everything up? Are you willing to, to surrender fully to me? He said, because a lot of people say yes to me. They pray prayers to receive Christ, but they're not really surrendering to Jesus. They're just kind of adding that on to their other life. And the scripture that really hit me hard uh, was two times where Jesus said to his disciples, uh, if you're going to follow me, you have to be willing to take up your cross and follow me. And then the cross, he said, is you have to be willing to lose your life in order to find your life. And I remember thinking the question that I had at 22 was, am I going to do something with my life that makes a difference? That when I'm dead, when it's all over, it actually counted that I lived in the earth. Because I realized that most of my life was just about me and, and what I wanted for myself. And from that point on, I knew that serving Jesus was about losing your life. When I met Colleen, the reason that Colleen and I were attracted to each other was because I needed a woman of high-risk capacity. <laughs> I needed somebody who could take on uh, the journey that I, think God, I thought God was calling us unto. And so when, when I met her and I realized that she was as yes as I was to, to Jesus, that we could do something significant with our life. And so for the last several years, years before we ever pa pastored Victory, we were making faith journeys. But when we came to Atlanta in 1990, um, we didn't have anything. We had no money. We had no people. We had no buildings. We had no church support, nothing. We had a word from the Lord to plant a church on those four pillars. And we took the risk and we said, you know, if, our, if it doesn't work, we at least said yes to God. And here's the thing. I need you to understand this. 34 years ago, on this day, we met in a daycare center with six people with no promise of success. And through that risk and thousands of other risks that have transpired since that time, look at where we are today. Look at where we are today. Yeah, you know, and here's the thing that um, we have to understand because you have this big vision and maybe you have a vision for a business or a ministry, but it doesn't start out big, you know, and I can remember in the early days, it was July and um, of course, after service, I had taken him to go to work to sell furniture and then I am carrying the sound equipment up three flights of stairs we lived in an apartment on the third floor. We didn't think that went all the way through. And, and it's in the heat of the day, I'm carrying the sound equipment. And the Lord said to me, don't despise small, humble beginnings. I didn't understand the significance of that passage, but that was spoken by the prophet Zechariah to Zerubbabel, who was charged with rebuilding the wall, rebuilding the temple in a time where he didn't have the resources, he didn't have the people, he, he had opposition. And there's a passage in that chapter that says that there would be a celebration when the capstone was laid. The capstone is the last thing that's put down when the temple is complete. And there is something about that, you know, 
three and a half years ago, we passed a torch to the two of you. But it didn't begin as a torch. Amen. Amen. And they've done well. And it didn't begin as a torch. In fact, for there to be a torch, there has to be a match lit. And I will tell you, there were times when we felt like we were working with wet matches. <laughs> but when you can light a fire with a wet match, you're very clear on who's doing everything. And all the glory goes to the one and only Jesus. So whatever God's put in your heart, and if you feel like all you have is wet matches, you have a big God. So do it. Run with it. Amen. Thank you for taking that risk. Absolutely. We're all here because of that risk. You know, one of the things that uh, Johnson didn't mention earlier, but we noticed very quickly when we came into the Walls of Victory, is it wasn't just a man on the platform by himself as a pastor, but the two of you were leading together. And throughout the years and even us being here at Victory, um, what we've seen is this is a rarity. So why did you guys choose the model of leading as a couple together, as pastors together? You know, it was, I realized that it, our situation is kind of unique. And, and th imagine 30-some years ago, a woman trying to preach. Yeah, that was welcome in the South. But here's what we knew. We knew that God had called us together. And, and you know, building families begins with a couple that's strong. And we felt like we needed to display that. We needed to represent that. And, you know, even though racial reconciliation is our calling card, our drawing card is the fact that a couple leading together. And so we didn't think about it, but look at today. Look at how many couples, look at our pastors in all of our campuses, you know, who are leading together, Darius and Melba, and, you know, the strength of a couple leading together. And Chris and Lisa, and Mo and Kendra, and Kervin and Candace, and of course the two of you. And we didn't, we didn't foresee that, but I think this world needs to see strong couples leading together. And it does so much more than we realize in the family. Mm, I love it. Um, last question. So obviously, one of the things that grabbed me, I was just talking about it, but I think many of us is the heart for missions, both local and global, so community transformation impacting nations. So I'd love to hear kind of why that, that big heart, uh, and maybe even specifically, uh, I, you know, I've, I know other churches, I know a handful that give 10%. I personally don't know any that give 20%. So like, what, why 20%? That's a, I don't know if you knew, that's a lot. <laughs> if you knew, that's a lot. It is. <laughs> When we started Victory, um, we, our whole first year budget was $50,000. That's how much money came into the church. So we were, not, we were not wealthy, a wealthy church, and we were not reaching people that had money. And the Lord spoke to us at the end of our first year, and he said, if you're going to do something significant financially, you're going to have to trust me by sowing first. Even though it's, you're, you're, you're not, you don't have a lot to sow, sow what you have. At that time, at the end of the year, we had about $15,000, $20,000 left in the bank that we hadn't spent. And Because uh, I had worked a, a full-time job. We weren't taking salaries at the time. And so the Lord said to me, I want you to give everything you have in the church except for the first two weeks of the bills of the church. And trust me the next year. 
So we gave away about 15,000 into missions. That was our first missions giving. The second year, we came to the end of the year and I felt like the Lord challenging us to do the same thing, only this time we had a lot more money in the bank. I don't remember exactly how much it was, but it was, it was close to $60,000, $70,000, I believe. And we gave it all away into missions and started with just the first two weeks of our budget to start over again. The next year, we had $150,000 in our bank account, and we gave it away first three years. And the Lord just kept multiplying it. So then we were in a missions conference, and we had an affinity towards missions, and, and the pastor was challenging the pastors there to give away 20%. And we realized that personally, we gave 20% of our, of our income to the Lord, but we had never done it corporately. And so it was a big step of faith. So we came back, announced to our little mini staff that we're going to give 20% from this point forward from our church with a goal of, in our lifetime, of $100 million. Wow. Now, at that time, that was, a, that was one of those big, hairy goals that, you, <laughs> you know, you couldn't even begin to think that that would come to pass at that point. I mean, we're just two country folk. <laughs> And we just have a little church at that time. But how many of you know that, that sometimes God gives you dreams that are way bigger than you? They're bigger than you. And you know you're never going to do it by yourself. And so we started uh, that giving of 20%. And the income of the church started rising at a level that was unprecedented. And we're now, I mean, we're 34 years. This is how the church has gone economically. Listen to this. No matter what happened, 2008. COVID, the church has gone like this economically for 34 years, just like this. Now, any of you, any of you that have a business that you can say for 34 years it's done like this and it never has done this or done this, that's historical. Hardly any churches in America have had that experience. And it's simply because we trust God with our finances and all the things that we've gotten to do with our money. It's probably, of all the things we've done at Victory, it's one of our our greatest appreciations and joys of what's happened at Victory. And it's because of you. It's because of your obedience to give, to tithe, to sow faithfully over those years that we've been able to do that. I love it. Well, on our anniversary weekend, we thought it'd be special just to kind of take another step and lean into missions a little bit more. And one of the missionaries who really kind of embodies the heart of victory here is Lana Vasquez. And so she recorded a video for us. So let's, let's tune into that real quick. Life Impact International. It's an organization that prevents, rescues, and heals at-risk and exploited children in Thailand, Burma, and now in Brazil. We currently have around 100 children in Thailand and Burma in our family-style safe homes, and then we have 850 children in three different regions of Brazil that we reach weekly in our prevention projects. Since Victory found us, our whole world changed. Pastor Colleen came and said, Lana, what's your dream for this place? And Victory made that dream happen. And now it's changed the trajectory for rescued boys on the Thai-Burma border forever. The ongoing continual support of Victory has enabled us to rescue children, to heal their bodies, their souls, their minds, and continue to prevent that next child from being exploited, being trafficked, or being sold into slavery. Your support is helping us to reach, rescue, and raise up even just a generation. I came back from 
Thailand, and we are on our third generation of rescuing children. As traffickers have stepped up their game on the Thai-Burma border, so has Life Impact. We thank you for everything you've done for us. We thank you for everything you've done for the children of these nations. And we thank you, Victory, for not only changing their world, but changing our world and letting us be your hands and feet. So why don't we make this even better? Lana is here with us. Come on, would you join us so you all can meet this wonderful woman. Now, she won't brag on herself, so I get to. You have to understand that Lana, she graduated from Rama like us, so she is a fellow alumni. And at 24 years of age, she ventured to Thailand by herself. She has been there for 22 years. This woman is a beast in the spirit. So, uh, and here's the thing. Gang lords, drug lords, warlords respect this woman because of what she's done. I've been there in Thailand, and I got to stand in the compound where everything was done with such excellence, and you could just sense this compassion and love and family. She understands the importance of family, and it was such a beautiful atmosphere to be in. So I am super excited that we have this opportunity right now to add to what you are doing, Lana. So Michael, would you come out? We have a little presentation we would like to make to you and to Life Impact International. How about a hundred grand? <laughs> So what are you going to do with this? My goodness, we're going to build a um, computer lab for rescued girls for their next season in life. We're going to do a daycare for rescued babies that are sold for $8 on the Thai-Burma border. Uh, and we're going to also, it's going to go to Brazil. Uh, and we have a 850 children weekly that we're reaching prevention center in one of the most dangerous, notorious uh, favelas in the world called City of God, where we got a crack house and turned it into a prevention center for children, and it's going to go there as well. Big vision, small woman, big vision. That's the comment. Hey, guys, let's keep that energy because I have a, a gigantic announcement to make right here. So I don't think that we can really fully grasp the significance of what just happened. We're in a holy moment right here because we just witnessed um, a moment 34 years in the making. And so let's do this across all of our campuses. Let's stand up to our feet because in just a second, we're gonna lose our minds and celebrate Jesus because we just witnessed a 34-year God dream come to pass that when Pastor Dennis and Colleen just gave this check right here, that was officially the hundred millionth dollar that Victory Church has given in the missions. Come on, let's go.
I guess you want me to say something? <laughs> the floor is yours, sir. Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, all the glory, obviously, goes to the Lord, Jesus Christ. All the glory goes to him. This is, a, this is something that we never really could quite see happening, but we saw it in the Spirit. But I want to just say this from the bottom of my heart, and this is to all of you at all the campuses, because all of the campuses have a part to play in this. Thank you. Thank you for making that vision come to pass. And now we have a new vision. We have new leaders. <laughs> and one, hey, l- listen, one of our greatest joys is the transition that we made to Summer and Johnson Bowie as our new pastors here at Victory. We're so thankful for you guys. And now you get to carry this vision forward. We get to be in the background. We have to decrease and you have to increase. And, and you have a new place, a new place in this, in this church leading it forward. And so now I'm saying before God and before you, our new goal is 200 million dollars. Come on, let's do it. We're going to raise for Let's missions. do it. Come on, let's do it. Can you all believe we can do it? Let's do it. You guys, so here's what we're going to do across all of our campuses. Uh, let's remain standing. The worship teams are going to come out. And we're actually going to sing a song together that we wrote right out about three years ago, three and a half years ago, for the transition service that we did. And what it's really saying is this. This whole story is not about us. This victory is not ours. This victory belongs to Jesus. So come on, over the next few minutes, let's worship like the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. Come on, guys. Let's worship together. Your wonder, but there's still a bond.
give a shout to God. is yet to come. Hey, I want to, I want to just kind of have a moment right here because I don't want anybody to get it twisted as if this story is about us or how great we are. <laughs> Let's make it really clear that without Jesus, we are nothing, have nothing, can do nothing. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Come on, somebody. With God, all things are possible. Come on, we sing in his name, we give in his name, we speak in his name, we live in his name. In him, we, we live and move and have our being. It's all about Jesus from beginning to end, from alpha to omega, from A to Z. It's all about Jesus. And here, 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 here's the thought, guys. There may be some of us today, even on an anniversary weekend, maybe it's your first time, maybe it's your 50th time, I don't know. But maybe, maybe today you feel kind of like you're on the outside looking in because you're not part of the family of God through faith in Jesus. The good news is today the door's still open. All right, the good news is still here. The good news that our God so loved the world, including you and me, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. Others of us, maybe we kind of been like, peacing out and going kind of doing our own thing but whatever it is God has brought you to this moment right here and here's what I know here's what the scripture promises that when Jesus is lifted up the father will draw us to Jesus so if you're being drawn to Jesus today that's not me it's not the lights it's not the celebratory mood it's God himself so this is a holy moment so let's let's kind of just take a moment let's bow our heads let's have a let's have a just a one-on-one moment with the Lord And if today, if God's drawing you to himself for the first time to repent of your sins, like Pastor Dennis said a second ago, to pick up your cross, to to leave your old life behind and to give the rest of your days to Christ, to trust him with everything. I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. Others of you, maybe you kind of, again, God's bringing you back into the family today. Well, as we pray, the family around you is gonna pray with you. And we're gonna pray like this. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, today... I mean business with God. So right now, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You are the Son of God who died on the cross and you rose again on the third day. So right now, I repent of my sin, my old way of life, that shame, that death, that rebellion. I leave it behind. And today, I don't just give you my words, I give you my life. You have the rest of my days. I belong to you. And right now, because of Jesus, I am forgiven, I am free, I'm a child of God. Heaven is my home and the people of God are my family. (laughs) In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen, amen. Come on, let's give it up for everybody.